1: Music. Music, horror, horror. horror. Subculture. subculture, and An overall, overall badass. Bad welcome, welcome, welcome to Kettle, to Kettle Whistle, Whistle Radio, Radio with your host, your host Dave, Dave and, and Sean.
2: Sean.
3: that happened. I was at the Washington County Fair with D, and very family-friendly place. Great time, actually. Inexpensive, good food, good people. Tractor poles, my first. However, I witnessed, I, this only comes up because I have a friend going to see cattle decapitation, death metal ban. Uh, he- real heavy metal. And uh, there was a woman there with a toddler in each hand. And she was wearing a dying fetus black concert t-shirt. I just thought I'd make note of that. Irony comes in all shapes and forms. Hello folks, friends and fiends. Welcome back to Kettle Whistle Radio. And another author edition where I'll be interviewing Ed Ashton, friend of the show now. And uh, he will I'll be joined with Frank, my brother-in-law, who actually knows Ed Ashton as a friend. And uh, we'll get into all of that. Ed Ashton is the author of Mickey Seven. Okay, soon to be a major motion picture by Brad Pitt Production. I believe it's Plan B Productions um, in March 2024. It will be called Mickey 17. This book, Mickey 7, is an extraordinary science fiction novel. Horror has let me down lately, folks, so I've been venturing more into the science fiction uh, of, of late. Um, of course, we will be having um, excellent music coming away. way. Uh, um, let's see. I'm going to go out at the end of the show with Old Town Crier, who you've heard before, my friend uh, James Lau, uh, Jim Lau. Uh, we're gonna hear "Come Home, Caroline." We're gonna go out with that. Um, now, speaking of Old Town Crier, uh, the proceeds from this album will go to charity. Uh, I'll, I'll just read this from Jim himself. Again, you'll hear this at the uh, the end of the show. All right. Hi, David. I released my first LP in January, and I wanted to share the link with you. It's a benefit album. For Pine Street Inn, a charitable organization whose mission is to end homelessness. Hope you enjoy it. And yes, so if you go to Bandcamp and purchase Old Town Crier, this particular um, LP, uh, A Night with Old Town Crier, it'll go to a charitable organization to help homelessness, to help end homelessness. And the name of the charitable organization, once again, is Pine Street Inn. Um, hopefully, well, you guys can do your part on that one. Um, second song you'll hear, of course, tonight, uh, in between the, well, at the onset of the interview, uh, will be from Jess Weary, Amy Dearest, a great tune that got local airplay here in Pittsburgh. And, uh, we're going to start off with a banger, Anastasia Elliott, Lion's Den. Uh, but Jess Weary, um, hey, congratulations, kid. She just gave birth in, uh we'll get more from her later uh i want her to tell her story herself we're gonna have her in here but just weary amy dearest you'll be hearing that in a little bit but first we'll start off with anastasia elliott lion's den but a lot has happened not so much in the horror realm but traveling um geez uh went to well let's see salem massachusetts um, with D, And uh, we'll be doing a show on that A little later on Maybe close to Halloween Salem was great And oddly enough Jim Lau and uh, Old Town Cryer Are from Middlebor- Middleborough, Massachusetts So Massachusetts is just in the news lately for us um, Salem was great Fantastic tours Great people uh, Great stores Oh my god, so much cool shopping there uh, Just weird stuff you can't get anywhere else But we'll talk about that at another date Uh, Let's see, I was in Kecksburg with Heather Taddy, we had a blast at that, if you're familiar with the Kecksburg incident, lots of UFOologists out there, met some interesting folks there, that will be another episode, I will be talking about Kecksburg, PA, not too far from where I am right now, Um, that was with Heather Taddy, we had a blast, I hope you listened to that episode prior to this one with Heather, uh, we talked about some stuff that she's doing right now, Paranormally Yours. Uh, I've been to Looney Tune Land with Sean. Alas, not a real place, but I'm there with him every day. Uh, <laughs> it's better than some real places that I've been to, uh, especially that being contemporary horror movies of late. They've taken me to not-so-great places, and what a shame. But let's get into... We're, you're going to enjoy this interview with Ed Ashton, and I hopefully uh, you guys will go see the movie in March read the book now you can pick up the sequel antimatter blues which is available right now if you like mickey seven pick up the sequel because something tells me this is going to be a hit the book itself was hit it got um well it's it's gonna be a major motion picture so it's got it got definitely the attention of some folks out west so enjoy the interview and uh enjoy ed ashton and um Gosh, there is so much more. There is something else too. I'm gonna to have to put this up. Um, this came up just before recording. Um, this movie, Rebel Moon. Have you seen the um, trailer for it? Interestingly enough, it was originally going to be a. Uh, it was going to be a, a Snyder Star Wars um, film. Well let's see here, Uh, it was going to be, let's see, a version of Rebel Moon could have been a Star Wars movie, Uh, but it was, I guess they turned it down, um, and Zack Snyder decided to make it an independent film, independent of Star Wars, which is very interesting, because I think maybe it was a poor choice by the Kennedy compound, as this looks really good, entertaining, sci-fi-wise. And uh, also very good for the Snyder Battalion, Zack Snyder and his battalion, as this looks like a great film without any Star Wars involvement, if you ask me. Uh, but Rebel, Rebel Moon, you could check out the trailer, it looks very interesting. And we'll see when that comes out, where that goes. But yeah, no longer affiliated with Star Wars, uh, I don't know that it ever was, looks like it was pitched and he didn't want to make change, changes or they didn't want to make changes. Could care less at this point. Um, just want to see good sci-fi and good horror, man. This rider strike's got to end, and when it does, we got better. We got a contingent of guests coming up. Um, better believe it, because uh, we ran into some Walking Dead um, folks while out on the beach this summer in Cape Cod, and you may have heard that from an earlier episode. And uh, they just obviously, you know, we have to wait till the writer strikes over for them to come on. But yeah, great episodes coming your way. But right now we're going to get into my friend, actually this is ironic, Anastasia Elliott was the last interview I had before I got sick back in February. And uh, great episode back then. She's a oh man, what a set of pipes on this girl. She can sing and r- arrange and write just great music, incredible musician. Anastasia Elliott, enjoy Lion's Den Look her up and her other stuff. You won't be disappointed. Um, And, uh, well, enjoy, folks. And uh, we'll talk soon. Enjoy this interview as well, all right? And uh, as always, you can find me on Facebook and go to also Kettle Whistle Radio on Facebook. Give us a like. You can also go to FairlyDarkProductions.com and look at the books that are there. Or go to Kablam Comics um, or Burning Bulb Publishing slash comics. For Dr. Peeler at Demon Psychiatrist. We always need your help. And issue two is coming out very soon. All right, thanks. It actually, it's done. <laughs> coming out very soon. All right, bye.
0: This is Martin Atkins from Public Image Limited, Killing Joke, Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, Pigface, and the Damage Manual, and Murder, Inc., and Brian Brain, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio.
3: Folks, friends, and fiends, welcome back to Kettle Whistle Radio. Tonight we get into science fiction and the horror it brings through hope. Uh, We're talking intergalactic colonization and dare I say cloning expendables Um, if you think you had a rough day imagine intentionally witnessing your own gruesome death multiple times for the sake of humanity who might actually despise you for doing it I have with me right now very special guest author Edward Ashton of the science fiction novel Mickey 7 soon to be a motion picture Mickey 17 and I've got Frank in the background who made this thing happen Frank Latour you with me I'm here. All right, Mr. Ashton, thank you so much for doing this, and welcome aboard.
4: Absolutely, thank you
3: so much for taking the time. Oh, are you kidding me? You took the time here. Um, how's the earth treating you today, sir?
4: You know what, so far so good. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day. I, I live in the middle of the woods. I'm looking out the window at uh, a bunch of, bunch of birds and trees, and you can't beat
3: that. It couldn't be further removed from your novel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, so I have Frank Latour with me, um, who you guys had a friendly relationship with that goes back some, and he happens uh, to be my brother in law.
0: Yep, <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, it goes back just a bit, Ed, right? I guess, uh, what 30 plus years. Wow.
4: Oh, good lord, don't tell me that. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's that's about right. Yeah, what we met beginning of my freshman year in college, first, that right? That is correct. Yep, yep, yeah. To so spent many hours in the basketball court. <laughs> yeah,
3: uh, good No
0: fun southern team. Very yeah, I actually met, like I said, met Ed in college, but he was already friends from high school with a, a uh, someone who became a very good friend of mine and, and roommate in college, John.
4: Yeah, I've, I've known John since that's uh, since seventh grade. So yeah, that that goes back a long way. Yep, yep, yep. I love it, man. No,
3: I love the, a story within a story here, uh, and I. I'm just honored to have you aboard. Um, I finished watching your trailer for like the fourth time uh, Frank presented that to me. For, actually, I think Frank talked about this book uh, a year ago with me, and uh, I'm just glad to have this opportunity. Uh, I actually, coming hot off the heels, I was actually in the hospital today because I'm coming off of a sickness and my audience is sick of hearing about this, but I had a colangiogram today. It was rather painful. Um, That's where they stick a tube inside. Today, they stuck a tube to reinsert it to my gallbladder uh, to make sure it's draining properly. It was not a fun exercise. But I was thinking about Mickey the entire time I'm there and what he goes through in in the cycler. Yeah,
4: I'm i I'm a medical researcher, so I probably know a little too much about what what can go wrong and what bad things can happen to you in medical procedures. So oh. I, I, I did put a little bit of that
3: into the book. I'll be consulting you for uh, many. I spent <laughs> I just spent some time in the hospital, so uh, yeah, you may hear from me about some things uh, outside <laughs> of the book. Uh, okay, so was science fiction always your genre for writing?
4: Uh, not not per se it's always been a love of mine it was science fiction was was my first love honestly um, I, I started reading people like Clifford D Simak, um, pulling it off my dad's shelf when I was five or six years old um, so so that's that's something that's been with me my entire life um, Frank may remember uh, some of the writing that I did when I was in college um, mm-hmm. that was that was not science fiction related I actually um, a little bit of a career writing literary fiction. Um, sold some short stories to various uh, various places. Um, Frank, I, I think I uh, I think I shared a sheet pizza with you once that I uh, that I won in a fiction writing contest. There you go. Uh, yep. At, at one yep. point in college.
3: Yeah. Um, oh, payment pizza is always welcome.
4: Oh yeah, no, that was that was one of the. I still consider that one of the best. I, I, I sold a story to a, the newsletter of an Italian sausage company, an Italian <laughs> pizza, and the and said that's one of the best deals I've ever gotten. It's so with all apologies to St. Martin's Press, I I still consider that one up at the top of the list.
3: Well, now I know you're an East Coast guy, and I'm standing up in, and I, I'm a, I applaud you for the pizza. <laughs> I, man, I, 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 so
4: anyway, I'm yeah, I've been here.
0: You know, among for many reasons, Ed is an interesting dude because he might be one of the few engineering literary writers that i know of like you, he touched upon knowing medical but ask at anything and he'll pretty
4: much have an answer for you it'll be spot on <laughs> <In detail. laughs>
3: okay well that's cool. I, I am
4: i'm a semi-professional know-it-all No, that is <laughs> that is actually true
3: Hmm. okay i may have to have you as a co-host once in a while that would be uh, depending on what the content is might be really interesting um and speaking of content you have a sequel to this one this book mickey seven the sequel just came out a, a week or two ago
4: and uh, no, actually came out in uh March. Oh so wow. I'm behind. I uh, actually just approved the cover design for the paperback, which will be coming out in about five months now.
3: Very cool. That's is that Animator Blues? That is correct. Yes. Yep. Yeah, Frank was showing me a picture of it. I, I don't know if uh, Frank if you got a copy of it already, but I can't wait to read I, that.
0: I did and I'm ashamed to say I have not had a chance to get it to it yet. I'm going I was to. supposed to bring it on vacation with us and it it's stayed yeah. on the uh table that I was um, helm
3: before he stuck, didn't grab him before he left. There so. we go. That, that infamous yeah. table. That yeah, you come back from vacation. Yeah. Oh yeah, I meant to bring that. Um yeah, and yeah. your book. When I actually commandeered his copy with that you signed. Uh, for vacation out of desperation i had nothing to read and i I, t- I said frank please can i borrow this he's like i want that back because you, <laughs> you signed it you know i gotta get that to him and i, I remember a class way back when uh, how to torture torture an author is tell him yeah i bought your book and i l- lent it out to 12 of my friends you know that's the, <laughs> one of the worst things you could do you know, Like, you buy your own copy which we do here we believe in still buying music here in this show if you could believe that um, he,
0: he, uh, D- David is going to send you a box of sausages though for, as, <laughs> a, as payment for that, so
3: you sure I, I do, I do appreciate that. <laughs> right.
4: uh, I, I did learn later that money can be exchanged for goods and services, and and cash I could have. Ah, bought that's not goods, fun. That's not. I, that's, yeah, I, did, I didn't know that pay. at the time, but that's that that is something I picked up along that's, the way. That's not going to catch on. That's a fad. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, listen, I um, all right, Ed, I I did sense a tongue in cheek quality in your main character Mickey Seven. He seemed to always have his own inside jokes. I'm kind of gathering that maybe some of that rubbed off of you. I'm not sure yet. I'm just gathering because uh, I'm a writer myself and I pick up on these things. But um, if you want to give like a quick synopsis on what people have to look forward to with this book, that would be great.
4: Sure. So, so Mickey Seven, the, the the short pitch, the one sentence is it's a book about his man, a man whose job is to die. Uh, Mickey is... Uh, and expendable. He is someone who has been recruited to a a colonization mission. They're trying to colonize a a very hostile planet. It's a very dangerous mission. There are a lot of dangerous jobs. And his responsibility is to do everything that is extraordinarily dangerous the sort of things that are likely to get you killed. Uh, With the caveat that when he does get killed, uh, they're able to reconstitute a body and basically download his brain back into it. So he's sort of in an an infinite loop uh, of of dying and being reborn, which sounds very Zen uh, Mm -hmm. at first until you realize that he actually has to experience all this dying and it turns out it's really not fun. And so by the beginning of the book, the reason his name is Mickey Seven Mm -hmm. is that he's already died six times and he has realized at this point that this was not his smartest move uh it's not actually a a great gig it it was described by one of the reviewers as literally the worst job in the universe and i think i think that's pretty accurate not least because it is the one job that you can never leave you can't even die
3: to escape it it's amazing i didn't even think once you're in
4: it you're in there forever uh and and that's that's sort of the existential mind that mickey finds himself in at the beginning of the book uh and Obviously, because I'm an author and therefore a sadist. Um, as <laughs> as the book progresses, things actually get worse for him from there, and that you know that that that's just kind of how things go. And oh, in oh
3: yeah, it gets rather complicated. And I, like I said, uh, he seems to have a sense of humor. I guess when dying is your profession, you kind of if you can't smile once in a while on the inside, you go crazy. Which uh, you, you crazy you a little bit. Um, you you delve into immortality. We'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, teleportation, teleportation paradox, and Star Trek transporters, I couldn't help but think about it because I read something, and I think I think Frank, we talked about it, um, where you're not the same person after you transport uh, in the Star Trek universe, and I think that, I don't know if that's the science behind all science fiction, but you kind of touch on that quite a bit. <laughs> uh, the yeah, uh, you know, I
4: mean, this is something that I've thought about ever since I was a little kid, um, it, exactly from watching Star Trek. I, I remember even you know, being like five years old and watching mm-hmm. Star Trek, and it was very obvious to me that that transporter array was not transporting anyone. That was a murder machine. <laughs> you, you could see them dissolve, right? right. They, 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 they like literally are getting dissolved, and then they build a new one on the other end. And looks, talks, acts just like the original person, but it's not, just like you said, it's not the original person. Amazing. And nobody in the show seems to realize that. They all just take it for granted that, yep, I'm just going to walk out the other end. Uh, and and this is a, a philosophical debate, actually, that's been going on since the 1750s. Mm. Uh, this this was first raised, the first reference I could find to it, uh, was a letter to uh, the Royal the Royal Scientific Society in London, uh, which asked the question, which to me, it's absolutely fascinating that, that there are people thinking about this when it was complete fantasy, and now we're almost to the point where we can make this a reality. Scary, uh, but yeah. the, the question posed was, would it be possible if I were to transpose my soul into another body exactly matching mine? Would that be, would I be the same person or what, would I be a different person? Um, and that that's a debate that's been going on ever since. And uh, there, there's not a clean solution. There's right. not a clean solution to it.
3: And the ship of uh, Theseus you bring up a few times, uh, and Frank also explained to me too, um, how is that ship, Still the same ship after you've repaired it several times. Um, yeah, and
4: that—that's a slightly different question. That one goes all the way back to Plutarch. That's that's a many thousands years old puzzle. And and again, like just fascinates me how far ahead of their time these guys were. Because as it turns out, that is a very tight analogy yeah. for a human. Life because we, you, you know, you and I sitting here, there's not a cell in our bodies that was part of our bodies 15 years ago. You know we, we are a completely different colony of organisms. we are the ship of theseus you know mm-hmm. we're a completely different colony of organisms right now than we were you know 10 15 years ago and here, here's the fun thing um in my in my day job one of the things i one of the things i work with is functional magnetic resonance imaging and this is a technique that lets us map what your brain is doing mm-hmm. when you're experiencing different stimuli when you're Um, suffering pain, or think about the smell of cinnamon, or remembering your your first kiss. And we, we can map exactly what part of your brain is active when you're doing these different things. And so if I put you in the scanner and ask you to remember something you did yesterday, or to imagine something you might do tomorrow, there is one particular part of your brain that is responsible for that job, and that part will light up. If I ask you to think about something Frank did yesterday, or to imagine something Frank will do tomorrow, there's a different part of your brain that does that, a totally different, a, a different structure physically in your brain that lights up. If I ask you to remember something that happened to you 20 years ago or to imagine yourself 20 years in the future, you can probably guess which part of your brain lights up. It's, it's the other person part. So oh. on some level, your body, your brain knows that you are a completely different person than you were 20 years ago and that you will be a completely different person 20 years from now. That's why things like the public service announcements about that they used to run about smoking where they're like, you'll know, you get cancer when you're 60, did nothing, they had no effect on anyone. Mm -hmm. Because intellectually, you may know that's gonna be you when you're 60 years old dying in a cancer ward, but on an emotional level, you don't believe it. Fundamentally, you don't believe it, that's someone else and it's his problem to be dying in that cancer ward, you're having fun today. Right. Just Dude, that's
3: like, crazy. <laughs> it, it, it's true, though, because you felt that way wow. sitting in a seventh grade health class. Ah, why am I in here? We don't need to know this stuff. It'll never yeah, affect me. Exactly.
4: But, and, you know, and like on a level, you were right, because all those cells that were making you up at that time, they're not part of you now. You're, you, the problems you're having right now, those cells are long gone. They don't care.
3: I just had a bout with necrotic cells. So, yeah, I have compl- I totally related to Mickey in this case. Uh, yeah. When we uh, yeah. we meet Mickey Seven, he's on his seventh expendable self with uh, memory uploads of some of his past selves, uh, not all of them. I don't want to give too many spoilers there. Um, but he uh, adamantly they he must upload his death uh, to his superiors just for the perusing of science. Is that or is it also for military purposes? Well,
4: it's uh, the the primary justification is so that he learns from his deaths. Okay. So that, you know, if you make a mistake and you fall down a, down a hole, let's not do that again.
3: <laughs> which is not so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I can't. I, I didn't want to skip ahead. But now you got invited to the set of the film, um, which I believe comes out March, according to the trailer.
4: Yep. March 29th. Okay, um, uh, and yes, I did. I did get to watch some of the filming. It was yeah. absolutely fascinating. Nice. Um, Bong Joon-ho is one of the nicest people I've ever met. We know from uh,
3: Parasite recently.
4: Yes, yes, yeah. the multi-Oscar award-winning director. Um, he he walked me around the set. He um he he took me through. They're 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 doing this with practical sets. They filmed it with practical sets. with nice. CGI primarily. All right. Um. So I, I got to actually you know walk inside these things that I had kind of dreamed up in this.
3: That's in this so book. cool.
4: And these guys had brought it to life. And yeah, it was it was absolutely. Uh, like one of the peak experiences in my life. I'm glad absolute. to
3: hear that. I, I was afraid that because that question sometimes can borderline on disappointment for some authors or directors. In that case, uh, or actors uh, that I've talked to. Um, like, how do you feel about the casting director and who and as who as well as how the characters are portrayed?
4: I mean, it, here's the thing. Any author who has a book picked up. By Warner Brothers Studios and made into a film by Bong Joon Ho, and complains about anything else for the (laughs) rest of his life. (laughs) Needs to really check himself and, and, <laughs> and learn how to practice gratitude. Agreed.
3: You just totally quoted my wife uh, about from about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I am not you...
4: interested in being a, like a, a, a delicate artist who says, oh, no, they didn't do exactly what I did in my book. That, uh, that's not what that's not how movies work. Movies and books, two totally different things. Yep. There are some different things. There are things that are the same. I really feel that director Bond captured the spirit of of the book. All the a lot of the themes of the book are really captured well. Obviously, there are some things that he had to change because you know a movie is visual and kinetic, and a book is wordy and thinky, and and they're, I said, they're they're two different art forms. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm really pleased. I was really pleased with the script. It was amazing to see the work they were doing on on set, and I absolutely cannot wait to see the the film on the screen.
3: Me too. I'm so excited. Let, let,
4: let me just interject here because
0: I don't think Ed is giving this this whole uh, production enough credit for what he's he's created here. This is an A-list cast in this movie that is is, is coming forth. Absolutely. I mean, I mean it, it's just some low-budget, you know, you know, independent film. This is a major motion picture, and I mean, uh, can we talk about I mean, with, with the SAG strikes and everything? Are we able to talk about and the writer strike? Can we talk about the film who's in it and stuff? Or are we are we not allowed to do that for? I mean, right. it's
4: it, it's all public knowledge. That's right. You know, oh, I mean, you know.
0: Just Robert Pattinson is the lead. Yep. I mean, okay. <laughs> yep. Tony Collette. Yep. Stephen Yoon of Walking Dead fame. Hmm. Mark
4: Ruffalo, you have got the Hulk in your movie. Oh, we got Batman and the Hulk. I mean, yeah, you, got, uh, you got you got you. So it's almost we're like halfway a, to an Avengers here. <laughs> yeah, crossover. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, okay. You
0: know, so yeah, this is this is something that's amazing, and you know, I, I'm. Blown away by what's happening here, and so proud of it.
3: Blown away, amazing. yes, blown away. Absolutely, the cast is amazing. Um, I imagine, and Ed, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I could be very off. Um, I imagine a young Terry O'Quinn is Mickey, is Mickey. Um, I don't know why, but there was even a John Locke reference in your book. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, there was. There uh, was ter- Terry O'Quinn, I don't know why his his face just kept his little smirk, even when he knew, when Mickey Seven knew that he was going to be facing possible death. He, he had that sense like i could see his smirk and uh, for some reason terry o'quinn has that same thing in the john Locke character i just that's just something i picked up on i don't know where you were with the john Locke reference or if that was an inside joke
4: uh, i mean i was referencing the philosopher from those <laughs> 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 I, was just, I was just gonna say that Yeah.
3: Perfect. I stepped in my own. There's
4: no wrong answers here.
3: (laughs) That's fantastic. All right. (laughs) Let's talk about the sentient beings known as the Creepers. There are, yes, there are monsters, folks. There are creatures in in this movie and book. How did they come about, the Creepers? You were just looking for some kind of beings on the planet that they're going to colonize that would cause some kind of friction?
4: Well, I mean, one of the most interesting things to me uh, is is the idea of non-human intelligence. That, that's another thing that I've just um, sort of geeked out on since I was since I was a kid. Uh, and in particular, I, I feel very often that science fiction doesn't do alien intelligence well because it's very tempting for us to just imagine like, well, like from Star Trek, a guy with green skin—it's just a guy. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy with green skin, or a human with uh, an extra arm, or a human with an extra eye, or whatever. But they think and act just like us. Mm-hmm. And I don't—that you know—if we ever do encounter alien intelligence, that's not what's going to happen. You've—you've got—you've got something that evolved in a completely different environment than us, that has a completely different genetic makeup than us. It's going to behave and think in very different ways, and that's something I wanted to. To try to illustrate and try to capture. And I do a lot more of it in, honestly, in Matter Blues. There's there's a lot more interaction with the Creepers in that book. Um, but I, I wanted to have a foil for the humans to play off of. And also, I wanted to have a, a sort of a way to talk about the difference between the way a human thinks and the way something that that lived in an environment like Niflheim would think.
3: Okay. That way, then... You know,
4: it, it, it's interesting to, to even just by the name that they're called
0: Creepers by the. Uh, characters in the book it's like these humans almost like by, by referring to me that don't even consider them as equals you know what i mean just to call them a creeper you know it's not it kind of touches upon that uh non-human sentient built uh creature like it's almost in their minds already that they can't
4: be an equal to a human because they look different and think differently mm. isn't that exactly how humans have been behaving for the last exactly, years? exactly right you know? so it's it, yeah exactly
3: right where did this idea originate? Because uh, you thank a lot of people for it.
4: The, the idea for the book, yeah, the idea for...
3: the story itself, um, yeah.
4: This this actually started with uh, an attempt at a short story in 2014. Um, the first chapter of the book was supposed to be a short story. And I got to the end of that chapter and I'm like, this isn't actually over. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I gotta, and then, so then I was like, well, maybe it's not a short story. Maybe this is actually a novella. So I kept writing, um, I set it aside. I did some other projects. Um, but I kept coming back to it because it, it just, it, it, the character of Mickey really sort of fascinated me. Uh, and then, you know, eventually I realized, Hey, that this is actually, this is a novel. Um, and that was in 2018, Mm -hmm. uh, finished the book in 2019. Uh, and, and then you know things have sort of snowballed from there.
3: That's a, yeah, the natural progression. A short story that uh, is your baby becomes an adult right before your eyes. Those are some of the best stories. I that now I'm gonna just brag. That's how I got published. I Had a short story that had to, my publisher said, "Can you make this a novel?" And boom, overnight, basically, I almost did because it came natural. Um, I, I definitely, uh, boy, I really um, with Mickey, I, I found myself. Um, relating a lot of past uh, we'll say employment <laughs> with his situation um, it, just in the corporate world I, I worked in the corporate world for like 30 years uh, with different, very different jobs and, and yeah, let's talk about these characters you have Marshall who is his commanding officer he's an asshole uh, Ber- Bar- Berto is supposed to be his friend but he seems to be an optu- like opportunistic fairweather friend Kat to me is very HR though she comes across as very cool at first HR and she works for securities so and she has to do her duty. Nasha is his love interest who might just have a death fetish. <laughs> He's not really surrounded by the greatest peers.
4: Yeah, no, that, that is uh, that is, absolutely. I mean, uh, I actually like all those characters. Oh, so do I. I. I
3: Don't get me wrong. I, you
4: know, I think, I think that, but, um, this is a conversation I've had with a number of, of different people. Um, science fiction, one of the things that you see is it's it's a trope to have these sort of um, idealized characters, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like the the guy in Dune or, um, you know, any of Asimov's heroes. Uh They're just like hyper competent and super upstanding, moral, upright people. And like that's not the world I see. That's you know when I look around me, that's not the world. I, we're all flawed creatures. We're all flawed human beings. And I I try to I try to build those flaws into my characters. I think it makes a much more interesting, more rounded people. Heck yes. Um, so there's no there's no idealism in my in my writing. I I try to write the world as I see it.
3: That's well yeah, it comes across. I really related to Mickey and even the other characters at times. They're very real. They come off the pages. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, and I have to play a tune here by. Uh, local musician Jess Weary Amy Dearest is a song recorded and produced by David Granati and drum accompaniment by Crash McCracken yes a real guy Uh, Jess is also a new mom I want to congratulate her as well as our muse for our comic book series Dr. Peeler Demon Psychiatrist with my artist Bob Hoagland we're going to get right back here with this I'm totally intrigued with Edward Ashton and his book Mickey Seven soon to be the film which you will all be able to see Mickey Seventeen Thanks for listening, folks.
1: the dark. But you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. seen.
2: With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. 11 stories Available on Amazon in traditional print and e-book. Get your copy today. Visit www.FairlyDarkProductions.com for more info on the author and his work.
3: Coming back after. Oh, you just heard Amy Huris by Jess Weary. And uh, that is a single. She doesn't have an album yet, but you can contact Jess Weary. Go to her, her Facebook page. Uh, she'd be, she'll be glad to hear from you. Now, we're speaking to Edward Ashton of Mickey 7. Uh, we are t- This book is science fiction, borderline horror, definitely has elements of. Um, but I have to laugh, and I did laugh multiple times, Um, just like I said earlier, as a guy that worked for 30 years in the corporate controlled environment, I related to Mickey Barnes and his frustrations, just, um, he's not a perfect person himself. Um, uh, and is, he was forced into this position kind of due to life circumstances. I don't want to give too much away. Um, he can trust no one, uh, kind of maybe Nasha, who's the flitter pilot, um, that he can trust for maybe sex on the occasion. Maybe Berto, his friend, whom he followed on this quest, as long as Berto feels the extra urgency to save his friend without too much of self-risk. So this is what he's dealing with. Um, And his boss is kind of a type A prick drill sergeant as well. Um, but yeah, uh, can you get into the Nasha character a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Can you answer this? Is it, is it, it Naomi Aki? Is it's Naomi Aki? Yeah, it's Star Naomi. Wars. Star Wars, David. Oh, we, oh, but yet, here we go. Can't escape the, the Star Wars on this show. It, it always creeps its way in. And yes, I'm a fan, so I, I'm not a fan of everything lately. I'm not going to get into that. They hear enough of that here, too. Um, let's see. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, Nasha, does she. I want to ask you like can you answer this um does she have a death fetish or does she just really like Mickey for who he is
4: I I, I wouldn't no I wouldn't say that she does I think she just um yeah she you know Mickey's Mickey's a likable guy and yeah. she she, is. <laughs> she likes him she has her own traumatic background um mm-hmm. which again you get into a little bit more in the next book uh, in Matter blues um but she she comes from a uh, a different colony that died that that failed really badly um Mm. and so she's she's seen a lot uh and and so i think on a certain level that helps her to identify with what what mickey's gone through
3: yeah and, and mickey barnes himself he's on the receiving end of banter and admonishment from because of his ghoulish state that he has that he can be replicated over and over again so i mean anybody that's new on the job probably goes through something like that but like you said this is the worst job in the universe um now Mickey eight. How did you now Mickey eight comes along pretty quickly. Uh, so that's not really a spoiler. Um, how did you make him different than his, well, his, uh, Mickey seven, his former self. Did you make, that
4: that was one of the big challenges of the book and it's, it's going to be, yeah. And well, I should say it was, uh, a great, a great challenge for Robert Pattinson in, in terms of the acting because he's portraying both characters, obviously. Um, And again, the the sort of thing I was trying to illustrate was was the idea that we as people, we don't we don't remain static. We're constantly growing and changing and becoming different people. Uh, I'm I'm a very different person than I was when Frank and I were going to school together. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife has told me many times that if we had met in those days, she would never have talked to me, probably, let alone dated me or married me.
5: Um, I think that was the case for most of the women girls
4: in uh, college.
3: Same, same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
4: So, so, you know, and, and obviously the separation between Mickey seven and Mickey eight is not 20, 30 years. It's, it's about six weeks of memories that Mickey seven has accumulated that Mickey eight doesn't have. Hmm. But even that, because a lot of, a lot of really important stuff, a lot of traumatic stuff has happened to him in that period. That's enough to make them just a little bit different, just a little bit divergent. Um, and so when I was when I was writing their dialogue, when I was having them, um, the way they behave towards one another, the way they behave towards other characters, I had to make sure that those differences were always there, but that they were very subtle. Um, mm-hmm. So you could see, I think you ought to be able to tell when you read a, dial, a a piece of dialogue from Mickey eight. You should be able to tell that's, you know, not necessarily Mickey seven speaking just because they have slightly different intonations, slightly different dictions. But but they're closer to each other than they are to anyone else.
3: I want to and, commend you on that um, yeah, because yeah. yeah, Frank can tell too. In the dialogues, they show up yeah. as a separate um, well font basically, and it just says Mickey Eight speaking in each of them. But you know um, because at that point, Mickey Seven is considered Mickey Eight. I can't explain all of that. I don't want to right now. Let you guys figure it out. But when they're talking, when he's essentially talking to himself, you can tell who the new version of him is. And who is Mickey Seven? And it's it, you did such a good job with that. It, like, and somehow yeah, I could yeah. still see a difference in how the character looks. Maybe his hair's parted differently, or you know, just something in the eyes. I can't wait to see what they do with that.
4: Yeah, I, it's same. Um, like I said, I, I saw about a day of the filming. Um, I, I did see Robert Pattinson um, doing a couple of scenes as Mickey 7 I never saw him trying to portray Mickey 8 so I'll I'll be very interested to you know to see how he handles that and how he makes that come to life
3: Uh, Yeah, it's. I mean I think the ultimate insult is when he is threatened by himself in Mickey 8 his his own replicant is somewhat untrustworthy (laughs) uh, which gives whole new meaning to the phrase I hate myself yeah
4: (laughs) that that that, that raises some questions about your own character doesn't it if if you, you can't
3: trust your own clone Got that right. I mean, yeah, there's so much of that. Um, I, I also saw, like, now this is a totally different kind of science fiction, uh, we'll say, from Star Wars. This is more Kubrick. Um, there's definitely a potential for battle scenes, even in flashbacks with the Manicova backstory. Is that pronounced right, Manikova? Yep. Um, with the backstory on why, why cloning good but multiples bad. You get into what can go wrong there. Um, are they going to do any battle scenes? Are we just going to see that in like past vids type things or?
4: Um, now, here, here's where we get to the part where I have to explain to you that I signed an NDA when I went on. Ah, no, that's cool. The script and basically, if any information about the movie um, that's not public gets out and can be traced back to me. Uh, I owe them $5,000 for every individual who hears that information. Okay. Uh, He's basically, if it gets out on the internet, I owe them all the money on earth and they can come chop me up for organ meat. And I, you know, (laughs) that didn't happen.
3: All right. I'm fine with that. I wasn't sure. I just, uh, (laughs) okay. So see, Frank, remember I told you about stepping on landmines anyway, uh, (laughs) but you can talk about the book here when you're talking about multiples being bad. Um, you dev- you focused on what could go wrong. Uh, why, why don't we make a planet of them so we get all our work done? And you explain why.
4: So th- this is, a, again, a theme that comes up in science fiction a lot. Um, the, the first reference I could find to this was uh, a short story by Clifford D. Simak called Good Night, Mr. James. Uh, and in in almost all of these, multiples are bad. Um, think Like a Dinosaur is another another classic where – you've got the ability to, to do it's that in that one, it's more of like a transporter beam accident where someone can get split, but always you can only have one person. The other one has to go. And, but it's never explained why, like, mm. why is that bad? Hmm. It's, it's just sort of taken as granted because like it helps move the plot along and, and and add some drama. But I, I wasn't satisfied with that. I want if, if I'm going to have that trope, I, I want to explain why, why do they think that way? Why is it, why is it necessary to to, to only have one individual because you're right like there's some there's some practical things maybe you've got an expendable job that takes three guys Mm. why wouldn't you just make three copies to do it right um and so i you know I, i i put that backstory in to to sort of make it clear that there's there's a deep deep psychological um barrier to doing that in the same way that we have deep psychological barriers to, to doing you know some, some things that were done in World War Two or in World War One um, that you know that, that really scarred us as people.
3: Hmm. Okay.
4: Well, I mean, I think it all just it speaks to your 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 sense of self
0: too. You know, like if you think you're you're who you are, how can there be another one of you as well? Then you know it puts into it question your own
4: individuality and you know who you are.
0: Spe- Which is yeah. something Mickey
4: really struggle- struggles with. throughout Right. The book. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, especially if your uh, multiple is sleeping with your girlfriend.
4: Yeah, that's a problem. That's that a problem. Is, that, is, that is a problem. And that's a oh.
3: real problem, real humanistic problem that he <laughs> kind of has to swallow uh, with some of that cycler paste. Um, I, you definitely – you circle around uh, replicants and the idea of immortality. And, and your antagonists, not the creepers, but I feel Marshall is um, – who is a religious man uh, or spiritualistic and he looks at Mickey as an abomination. Um, you, you treaded lightly on that and, and yet uh, just enough to make it really interesting because a replicant can be considered immortal. Um, how do you look at that?
4: So I, I, that that's a, another point a lot of people have raised. Um, so there's a question of whether the, the, the religion that I sort of described in mm-hmm. the in the book the natalism, Um my feeling my argument actually is that the, the natalists have a point
6: mm-hmm. what
4: what they're doing with Mickey really is kind of an abomination making one person die over and over again so that none of us have to risk ourselves ever right that that's a very morally suspect thing to do and um, you know I, I was not I was not putting that religion in the book as something to be ridiculed. Right. Um, I, I, I actually, I, I think Marshall and his adherents. I mean, I, I think they've actually got some, some pretty good points to, to, to make.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, totally. I saw, I look at all sides and I found it all very interesting. Um, and science fiction writers don't usually, um, uh, I guess aren't bold enough to talk about, um, immortality, spirituality, and, uh, You know, this is not a religious show that I do here. We talk about horror and science fiction. But yeah, I mean, you really borderline on so many different topics here that I can't wait to read the next book. Uh, I'm gonna get my hands on that as soon as possible.
2: This is Carrie Means, the voice of Frylock, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Hmm.
3: So I have a glossary here that I wanna go through uh, full of Edward Ashtonian-type stuff. Um, but Frank, you had some character questions. Yeah.
0: So, and I'm sure I know the answer to this, Ed. Did you borrow the namesake of Mickey Barnes from our mutual good friend, Mickey Lynch?
4: I, I can neither confirm nor deny that. (laughs) 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 Okay. Uh, And then I think we talked about this one other time and you had some maybe
0: subconsciously the character of Birdo, also a mutual friend fall into the same
4: category from college days? Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't, for sure, that one, I didn't do it on purpose. Um, who knows I, what it was wrangling around in your subconscious? Yeah, thing? I just I have a tendency to do that. I wrote a story one time that had two characters in it, and I named them Terry and Gar, and somebody told me, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Terry Gar, you idiot. What are you doing? I, that's great.
3: That's almost as bad as my John Locke reference earlier.
4: Yeah, I mean, my brain just does that to me sometimes. That's called being a writer. <laughs> okay good fair enough
3: i got all right so some good words to know before reading mickey uh seven or even while you read it slurry what a great word um between that and cycler paste i kept visualizing soylent green but uh can you explain the slurry to folks
5: yeah
4: so so, um the, the colony on Niflheim uh, isn't doing so well from a food production standpoint. It's The planet's basically an ice ball, so they don't really have a great way to, to grow any food. Uh, and so, essentially, they have to live by recycling, and they recycle everything. Uh, literally everything. Mm. You know, old tomato stems and bits of skin and fingernail clippings and hair and whatever, all gets thrown into the cycler and reconstituted as uh, as slurry, it's uh, basically barely digestible, um, slightly nutritious stuff that'll keep you alive, but maybe wish that you weren't.
3: Okay, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You feel you kind of feel it going down their throats while they're uh, consuming. It's really nasty. Uh, Dracar, spelt like it sounds. I still have some, believe it or not, folks. <laughs> I knew Frank would laugh at that. Uh, that's the ship's name, correct?
4: yeah so that there's a lot of um my, my family's swedish um and so i've, I've always been into norse mythology uh mm. and i i did speak a bit of swedish when i was younger although sadly i've forgotten most of it um but but drakkar is this, it's a swedish word it means longboat um okay. so it's the, the name of the viking boats they it was Drakar. which so. is
3: perfect perfect um mid- in,
4: in, in the northeast yeah. it just means guido scent yeah. yeah right right I, I, I think i think i actually owned a bottle of that when i was when when you and i were pals in college frank at, I yeah think probably I yeah special probably. occasions yeah we went
3: we all went through that phase i believe yeah you <laughs> kept one in your glove compartment <laughs> yeah. just in case oh my god uh all right so midgard um that is kind of the new home world
4: yeah, again from from Norse mythology. Um, so in Norse mythology, there's the nine there's nine worlds, um, and Midgard is the the home world of, of men. Um, so that's that's where they come from.
3: Yeah, and Earth is not doing too well at this point in time. We haven't heard from them in six hundred years. Is that yeah? yeah.
4: Nice? Earth Earth is pretty much donezo at this point. They, they they had a bad time.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, we can see where it's going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Then there's the ominous uh, the Cycler.
4: Yeah, so that the cycler is the, that's the device which takes all the waste of the colony and turns it into that slurry that everyone loves so much. (laughs) Um, And one of the things that goes into the cycler is bodies, Uh, dead bodies, preferably, but as we learn in the course of the book, sometimes live bodies too.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marshall threatens Mickey uh, with that. Um, that, That's where uh, multiples meet their ultimate demise, from what I gather. Yep. Yeah, or they try to, yes. Well, Marshall tries to. Um, Cycler Paste, we kind of get that now. Um, Cycler Paste, I, first of all, if you have merchandising after Mickey 7, I, I want the action figure of Okay, okay of Mickey 7, I want a Creeper play set, and then I want all the 7-Elevens to promote Cycler Paste <laughs> slurries as opposed to flurries.
4: You know, I did a, I did an event at a Barnes & Noble... Uh, in upstate New York a little while ago, and at the cafe in the Barnes and Noble, they they made uh, a, a, a cycler paste drink.
3: I applaud them for that. While I was uh, there, I, I, it was,
4: I, I, it was I have great. to ask this question: What color was it? Uh, it was purple. Ooh, okay. it was okay. purple.
3: Oh, so you got grimace. I think basically,
4: they took all of the different syrups they had and squirted <laughs> it all into a cup, uh, <laughs> and stirred it up with a little crushed ice, and uh, they, oh, they, they actually. Gave me one uh, after after I was done with my talk and uh, it was yeah it was not awesome.
3: Uh, <laughs> oddly that same um, uh, that same purple and I guess taste that you came like, they call that unicorn here for uh, kitties going to a certain ice cream parlor. So yeah. yeah, but I think green it has to be like a bright and, uh, fluorescent green and I think 7-Eleven should get on board with that with the demise of their wackadoo blue back in the day. Um, so, what is the release date? And is there going to be a, another trailer for this as well for the movie Mickey Seventeen?
4: I, I would assume so. Yeah, I would expect. Well, and I, I don't have any inside knowledge on that at all, but I would expect that we'll start to see. You know, th- that previous trailer wasn't a trailer; it was just a tease, like a right. thirty-second teaser. That's but I, I would, idea. I would expect we'll start to see real trailers. Um, you know, sometime in the fall.
3: Uh, before I, before I let you go, I do have to say the character of uh, Gwen Johansson, the uh, sardonic recruiter. I see Janine Garofalo there for some reason.
4: <laughs> <laughs> she she could pull it off, absolutely.
3: Heck yeah. <laughs> dryness. Um and and kids out there that are looking for something to read, if you're a fan of Orson Scott Card, I, I not everybody will agree with me with this, but I feel that you will love this book. Um that Orson Scott card, of course, of Ender's game and the whole series of books, which I read all of them. Um you you, you have a way about you, it's just you could pull your it's your characters, yeah, pull you right in and um i had to read all of card's books after that and i feel the same here what do we have to look forward to without spoiling anything with the 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 next book
4: uh so the next book starts about two years after the end of mickey seven uh it's it's summertime things are nice mickey's life has gotten much better um but again, that sadism thing, um, immediately after the start of the book, his life gets dramatically worse almost immediately. And um, as I said, there's a lot more interaction. We learn a lot more about the Creepers and their society and how how things uh, how things work among them.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, and there, there's it's it's got much more of an adventure feel, I think. Cool. Um, one of the nice things about doing a series in science fiction, the hardest part of a science fiction book is the world building. It's it's. Getting your reader oriented as to where they are, what time it is. I agree. How 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 technology works these days, what society like. I did all that work in Mickey Seven, and so in in Animated Blues, I was able to get right to the fun stuff.
3: Absolutely, I I, I will be disappointed if they don't come out with a drone shaped like a flitter, because I want to see what a flitter looks like.
4: Uh, again, I can neither confirm nor
3: deny whether you're going to see. <laughs> right, right. I know. I understand. I know. We're gonna to have to talk again. There's gonna be a part two to this, folks. Uh, definitely after the movie, or maybe just before it. I'd love to have you back on, uh, Frank. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun, Frank. I, you got something else? I don't want to leave you. And then you, what happens is when I have a guest co-host, they they hit me up later on and say, "Oh man, I really want to ask him this," and I do the same thing. What do you got, Frank? No, Ed.
0: I I just want to tell Ed, as your friend and someone who was you know doing the whole pursuing the Hollywood dream things many moons ago. I have to ask, you could have done this 25 years ago? Nah, what the hell, man.
4: <laughs> I finally get yeah. in
0: in Hollywood, and now I'm like, yeah, well, okay, that's working great.
4: I was, uh, I, I was, I was busy raising children 25 years ago. It's, 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 it's tough to, uh, it's well, tough. Damn to you and to your and your life plan. <laughs>
0: damn you and your life plan and family. You know what? It's all about. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah it always is
4: I, I do apologize
3: spoken like yeah, a true I'll natalist there.
4: I'll
3: get over it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I should mention my brother-in-law Frank and uh, Ed may, may or may not know this has had some screen time commercially and otherwise over when they lived on the west coast and yeah he said that very thing to me couldn't he have done this sooner? but yeah <laughs> feeling the pain um, so uh, curious we always ask our guests this uh, do you have a favorite horror movie and feel free to say multiple
4: uh, honestly, I'm a big
3: fan of uh, the cabin in the woods. Oh nice. Oh, okay that we don't get that one off when we always get the top five you know uh, well I mean alien, evil dead alien, you know of course you go you reach that science fiction horror. That's an age-old argument. I find the movie perfect and terrifying. The thing John Carpenter, same thing. Um, I don't see a big border between sci-fi and horror. I think they can they can mince words just fine. I, I, oh
4: absolutely and you know alien is aliens a it's a haunted house alien is a haunted house movie that happens to be set in space correct. So, you know, under 100 percent um my thing with cabin in the woods probably has something to do with the fact that I live in a cabin in the woods ah, uh, all right so that, that 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 just kind of gels for me but yeah I really feel like that's a, a sort of a almost a quintessential horror movie
3: so Star Wars
4: if you too have a whiteboard of uh, horrifying creatures in your cabin in the woods please share
3: yeah. <laughs> Please. Yes.
4: Yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't. That's something I can put on my to-do list, though.
3: Or, yeah, okay. <laughs> or a 3D printer and send it to us.
4: Yeah, sure. There you sure.
3: go. Um, so Star Wars or Star Trek for you? I think I know the answer.
4: Uh, Star Trek, for sure.
3: Okay. Okay. I, I've creeped that way in my older years now, since they destroyed Star Wars in that last trilogy. But we're not going to talk about that or Spielberg right now. <laughs> yeah. not, I'm going to try not to badmouth anybody. Um, Alright, so listen, I want to thank you for doing this and I, you're always invited back um, I want to thank D-Factor for the music you hear in the background, Fashion Trashin for all their help, Frank Latour for being himself uh, Jess Weary for the music and uh, guys and girls, head out to www.FairlyDarkProductions.com for my book, Dwelling in the Dark if you're into short stories or The Fall of Tomorrow if you're into a demon apoc- apocalypse on your day off um, Burning Ball Publishing slash backslash comics for Dr. Peeler, issue number one. Number two will be out soon. And uh, I want to thank you guys for both doing this. Anything else in closing? Um, where where can we send folks to find you, Ed? Uh,
4: my website is uh, edwardashton.com. So that's, you, you, you can find links to all my books. You can find links to a massive number of short stories, which are free nice. uh, out on the web. So, you know, if you want to See some other stuff that I've written. That that's a that's a great place to
3: look. All right. And Frank, do you want people to find you?
4: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Just, I'll just be wandering around, wandering around my local Home Depot. So yeah, I, I could be found there.
3: <laughs> this is true. Yeah. yeah. He's looking for the cycler paste slurries as well. I'll be looking. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for those. All right. Um, thanks again for listening, folks. And um, also, too, I, Ed might find this interesting on an upcoming episode after the. Hopefully after the strike is over, uh, we ran into somebody on the beach in Cape Cod. Uh, we'll just say uh, we may have a guest from The Walking Dead at some point. And Frank, you have to admit that was pretty weird. It
0: was, yeah.
3: And, Small world. Yep. And also very enjoyable at the same time. This person was lovely. and uh, So you got upcoming stuff coming on Kettle Whistle Radio, and we're definitely going to hear more from Ed Ashton. Um, you have other books prior to this, too, but they're nothing like Mickey 7, correct?
4: Uh, th- I mean... I think you'd find some of the tone similar, but subject matter, yeah, very, very different. The the, my previous two books to this one were more near future, sort of contemporary Earth kind of things.
3: Okay, Uh, you want to throw titles out there?
4: Yeah, sure. Three Days in April and The End of Ordinary, Um, both bangers.
3: Okay, excellent. Well, folks, you got a lot of reading to do, and you got time because uh, we're going to see Mr. Patterson play Mickey Seven in Mickey Seventeen in March of next year, we're hoping. Um, Now, I did have one thing I want to throw out there. Mickey 17, do you think they're going to have a death montage? Uh, Because obviously, they're going up to 17, where you went to seven. I know you can't answer that. Uh, <laughs> I'm really- I, I
4: can't answer that, but it certainly seems logical that uh, you know. Obviously, he's 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 killing him a bunch more times than I did. and He's got to do it sometime.
3: You so. could almost see it. You can see how they're going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And we've seen Hollywood do things like that. But this case is going to be—you can't help but laugh a little bit getting to know the character Mickey Seven. But the horror of constantly dying these gruesome deaths, and we do get to hear about a few of them in the book. Um, yeah this this definitely to me is a horror story on top of a great science fiction novel and congratulations to you
4: thank you very much really appreciate it
3: all right thanks for doing the show and we'll talk to you again soon yep good night folks frank you want to say good night
4: yep bye everybody ed always a pleasure always
3: take care
5: we yeah.